Welcome to the Dave Emmons Show. Dave is an author, military veteran, musician, and has been a UFO and ET experiencer since the age of 13. This show is pre-recorded, but if you'd like to learn more or to contact Dave, visit the show page at odysseyradio.live. Now, here's your host, Dave Emmons. Good evening, or good afternoon, good morning, whenever you hear this broadcast. This is Dave Emmons, and my guest tonight is Dr. James Yogadi Weldon. I hope I got that right, Doctor. You have it right. Yeah, good. It's finally we had we've had some talks and uh, some really good talks, and I hope you uh, are going going to be listening tonight and listening to everything that's said because this is something that's important to all of us. Like I said, it's Dave Emmons, and uh, this is Odyssey Radio, W O D Y Radio, out of Maryland. And so we're going to do two hours tonight on this discussion with the doctor. And let me introduce the doctor through his bio here. Uh, also known as Rishi Yogadi, Dr. Weldon is a spiritual visionary, teacher, neuropathic phys- physician, health educator, author, and inventor. From the age of five, he had unusual spiritual experiences of a past life in Tibet. He was so perplexed by the visions of the future and other direct intuitive knowledge he was drawn from that youth to seek and deeper answers to life's mysteries to the greatest minds of our age i think that's why dr james and i get along pretty good because i'm seeking answers too uh at the age of 21 at the same period as the beatles he formally learned meditation from the maharishi mahash or mahish yoga in 1971 after completing the first ba and ma at their Swiss university for 15 years, he taught meditation and other advanced personal development techniques. He's also during this time, he's a founder of two spiritual communities and one big, huge retreat uh, in uh, North, North Dakota and in North Carolina. And uh, we will have, you know, we might even uh, be talking about that also. I'm sure we will be that. That's a great, uh, it's a huge area and they're teaching a lot of spirituality. As a PhD uh, neuropath, neuropath it's, natural, actually, it's actually called natural. naturopath. Naturopath, yes, there I was going to say naturopath. I'm thinking about neurologists. Uh, that's that's what I need probably right now. <laughs> but he opened a chain of holistic health clinics in Boulder and Denver, Colorado. His search into the path of enlightenment continued for 36 years under personal guidance of three of the spiritual giants of our age, Maharishi Mahesh. Yogi and Swami Mukhtananda. Mukhtananda. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, I should let you say that because I, I'm not familiar with these these words or these names. But uh, and the greatest of which is His Holiness Sri Sri Ravi Shankar, becoming his first known student at age 20. And Sri Sri is very important in Dr. James's life. I'm going to call him Dr. James. Uh, Dr. James Weldon. Just call him Dr. James. That's what I'm used to. So. Now he's, uh, he's got the world's largest NGO and volunteer service organization. So he does a lot of charity work on the side of all this. I don't know where he gets the time on that, but uh, I guess we're uh, just wake up early in the morning and keep going. I guess that right, doctor? Yeah. Uh, as a healer and a teacher, his capabilities to rarely fully yield are, are extraordinary. They resemble for Westerners, those of Edgar Casey, the sleeping prophet. And we'll talk about that. 
Presently, Dr. Weldon lives in Boone, North Carolina, operates a conference vacation and lodging facility. He is also active in developing and supporting the Western Hemisphere's largest co-housing and spiritual interfaith communities on Heavenly Mountain and the Art of Living in the retreat center there. So he's got this big retreat center, and I'm sure you'll be interested in that uh, if you're into that that type of thing, going to a retreat. This community is a, is a huge multi-million dollar complex and various like-minded groups are located on 1,080 acres of Heavenly Mountain. And he believes this community, although not yet widely recognized, is already one of the greatest world peace, health, and wellness, interfaith, personal, spiritual development, and retreat centers the Western world has ever known. And I've, I've talked to Dr. James quite a bit in the past two or three weeks and some of his uh, associates, and I'm just enamored at the at the uh, experience and also the knowledge that he has. And Dr. James Weldon, could you uh, fill in on that bio or anything that I, I miss on that? Well, born as a child like everyone else, but in my case, very young, four or five years old, some of my past existence began to peek through. And, uh, you know, our life is very big and a lot longer than we suspect. And this world is just a little piece of it. In my case, I started having flashbacks of a pastime that troubled me as a child. And it turned out I learned later that was in Tibet. And I passed away in a difficult situation, actually, in a prison about the time that the Dalai Lama left that part of the world. And I was working to help that organization gets settled, but also trying to develop my own community. And you know that if you know the story of the Dalai Lama as a child, the entire country was decimated. And so we are born not necessarily with the memories of those, but the feelings and the emotions. And in my particular case, I had some things that began to peek through when I was very, very young. And I began to wonder about that. You know, one way you can begin to understand that is that through this medium of radio or the internet, you can talk to really anybody in the world. So your voice and sound and sight can, can go out through this technology and thousands or if millions of individuals could potentially listen to that. One of the things we're lacking is our understanding what the field of consciousness plays into that. And really, the capabilities of the human mind are very, very similar in these more advanced states of consciousness. And in the West, we, many of us have heard the story of Edgar Casey and how he was able to go into a sleep state. There's a definition in an experience called the Turrier state. And in that state, people could ask him questions that he didn't need to be with them. And he could make very accurate pre predictions about what was happening in their health. And that continued in a mysterious way all of his life. And so that is an example of a more advanced state of consciousness, where one is able to connect to wisdom. My site is called greatworldwisdom.com on how things like that begin to happen to me really from the earliest days of my life. And so I became curious 
as I'm hoping many of you are, what is the true story behind the story of our life? Yes. You know, we come into this world as a beautiful child. You don't need to teach a child how to be loving and friendly and happy and jovial. It's their very nature. And when you look at this world and this universe, of course, it's billions of years old. Mm -hmm. And we think that these small few years that we're here is all that we are and all that exists. And we forget our connection to that. And so as a child, I was going through that and I was distressed. And also in the same way that uh, Edgar Casey could see things and know things as a distant at the distance as a young child that kind of stuff was happening to me and my father was sick he developed something called multiple sclerosis he was a hero in florida second world war flying ace one of the founders of the space industry before it became the space industry actually his job in florida was actually to determine where the nuclear bombs would go in Russia with a computer system about in a huge building, you know, less smart than the teeniest iPhone that you have. And even these watches that you're wearing perhaps. So he was very concerned about what was happening in the world. And so I was going through a lot of that turmoil as a child, understanding when he passed away, quite frankly, I had a connection with him after he passed. And he told me when he was declining at that time, he was in a VA hospital, that I would do and say things that he couldn't even imagine. I could never imagine that because, you know, our mother and father, is there anything greater to a child? Mm-hmm. You know, we look up to him, hopefully. And I learned early that the story behind the story of my life, I didn't really know. So part of my story is that when I was a young child and my father passed and I was having these experiences, I could see things at a distance. I could see the, the beach, which I was nearby in my mind's eye. I could hear the sound of the rushing waves. I could see people walking back and forth as I laid in my bed and I didn't think it was unusual. I took a little voyage out there and some of those things that I saw I could even go down later and dig things up in the sand that were covered by the sand when the tides came in and they were true. Not everything, but a lot of the things that I saw were true. And so with that crisis, yes, go ahead. Dr. James, uh, getting back to uh, Edgar Casey, do you think, I think we might've talked about this in the past. Do you think that he got his knowledge through Uh, spiritual uh, guides or angels or he did he did if you look at what his experience was is he would go into a sleep state and in that state he would connection connect to his guide you say and that guide would actually speak through him if you talk to him you'd find that he didn't really remember much of that after it happened And so he would go into a place where that bigger mind could begin to speak through him. And I think it was done as an illustration of the potentialities of consciousness. And so the world is progressing. We're growing up. We don't understand how those things 
could occur and how they, we could make them a part of our life. Our world is much more open now. You know, he talked about some things that may have happened in the life of Jesus. He made certain predictions. He could sense the trends of time, if you will. That being was communicating that way. And I think it was kind of an illustration, a precursor to what's going on now. Now, at that time, you know, the capability of developing those kinds of things was really not known much in the West. And even, you know, I spent many years training with the greatest spiritual teacher in this world, um, going on to about 50 years now to culture and develop those capabilities. So yeah. consciousness and spirituality go together hand in hand. You can't have one without the other. Is that right? That's the, well, consciousness of being aware of everything around you and in you, right? Well, first of all, the universe is alive. Every bit of it. This planet is alive. You're alive. And you have the individual life that you're living. You know that. But it's kind of like all the different billions of cells in the body. Each individual cell has a life that it's living. It eats, right. drinks, it does its process, but they don't realize that there's a greater reality that it's connected to that knows a lot more. And this is the great world wisdom, the wisdom of the traditions of the world that I'm trying to explain. My work is about building bridges, not opposing anybody, not putting anybody down, and uh, just doing the good that I can do, but to explain the explain the expansion of consciousness, how it develops and how it can develop over time. All right. We'll probably get to ETs a little bit later. That's, that's where I come in with my book. And right. a lot of people think I might be crazy about that. But, uh, but they say, like Werner von Braun pointed up and he said they got their knowledge up there. And he pointed to the air over his head, I guess. Uh, but also Tesla, Nikola Tesla said the same thing, that he got it from up there, but I think he actually said aliens taught him and he got messages from them. And, so, even, and even some of these people like Elon Musk, right? these are not things that they obviously will speak about because most people may not have a platform to understand these potentialities. In my case, everything that I've been, been through is totally out there in the books that I've written right. progressively and the stories that I tell on podcasts. It's all out there for free. <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll get into all those addresses and places a little sure. later okay. and uh, let people know how to get a hold of the information because I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, consciousness, spirituality, how do I do it? How do I get it? How do I get to that, that peak of of the you know the knowledge of all this stuff? It's it's tough. I know you've been going through it all your life with the spirituality and even going to India and, and being taught by some of the, the top spiritualist yes isn't that right like sri sri yeah yeah well this individual um one of my books is uh the uh, adventures with the the greatest spiritual teacher of our time um and i share those adventures that i had with him so, so there are people that really do know what happens when you're born where you go when you die, and what's the process of coming back, and the gradual progression of the development of consciousness. Uh, 
And consciousness is the one common thing that connects all life from the lowest amoeba to the most highly enlightened being. They both are living beings. It's just that just like um, Edgar Case, these individuals are very integrated into these advanced states. And these capabilities are quite natural. Everything in terms of the types of healings that you may have heard in our tradition that Jesus did, the knowing that he had that he needed to go and be trained as a child, the three wise men that came from the East, you know, told him he needed to leave the country. That's one of the books that I've, I've written. It's not totally published yet, but I'm going to be talking about how that developed. So think yeah, of country- three wise men. Yeah, uh, Dr. James, those three wise men he was, he was telling me before, their mission was to go see uh, Jesus, right? And, and yeah, they- as a child, they were actually, now you have to remember, there's no Christianity there. The traditions of that part of the world had spread all the way down through Iran and Iraq, and it influenced what is Israel quite often. There was travel routes where individual went came by by caravan down into that part of the world. And also there was a Black Sea pathway where people went by boat. And so there were these individuals that were actually sent, just like Edgar Casey knew a little bit about what was going to happen in his life. By the way, one interesting thing is that when he passed, he says, oh, I'm going to be liberated in a couple of days. That's how he looked at it. His death was not an ending for him. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a liberation being freed from the smallness that he was living into some of the benefits of the good that he did in the world. And, and he did a lot of good. He helped a lot of people, but he illustrated the possibilities. And the question is, how can we develop those? And there are ways and means and methodologies to do that. Very sophisticated and advanced meditation practices, techniques, just like this technique that we're talking through, this mechanical process that we could right. record these vibrations and put them on a magnetic tape or put them put them in the computer and then edit them and then send them out around the world so the universe is connected and all the parts are connected and individuals were beginning to understand that there's a lot more possibilities in human awareness than there were before so i was a i was a child adept i guess that's the best way to put it right now through this organization i'm supporting called the art of living Foundation. we've taught over a hundred thousand children capabilities these kids literally can ride bicycles down the street blindfolded someone can hold up a book in the audience they can actually read from the book with the book closed they can write them these are not imaginary these things can be quite real and if we are developing some of these capabilities and there are many people that are growing into more advanced states we should be able does to it, verify them. Does it happen there at the uh, spiritual center there in uh, North Carolina? Yeah, we just finished finished a course with, uh, I don't know, 150, 200 kids. And they were brought up on stage to illustrate some of this. But there are videos out there on the, It's called the intuition course or a certain type of knowledge, which I teach called pragya, wisdom yoga. And uh, yoga just means being in connection with the bigness. That's what that word means. 
being connection with the vaster reality of life. So the universe mm. is illustrative of, you know, of the body with trillions of cells in it. And somehow a certain number of those cells in your brain understand this conversation, but the rest of the cells, they act on your behest. You know, you put right. on your headphones, you start the program. We discuss what we're going to say, but just the very core of you in your pineal gland is the one that's really understanding that. And those yeah, few so cells yeah. have the yeah. have the, yeah. the summary of the consciousness we're talking about. Yoga is just not an exercise. That's how Americans look at it. It's actually a, a belief in a, in a. Yeah, those are those are that part of just kind of stretching and bending is actually a precursor to get stress out of the nervous system. And the real enemy of this world is the stress and trauma within us, the horrible things that are happening in this world. And, uh, you know, the children that have been just this last few days killed out of stress. A poor child was so traumatized with the life that he was living. He thought that he could act in a certain way. I've worked with terrorists. I've literally been face to face with mass bombers in some of these areas in the world. And uh, I don't know where he is, but I've been into some of those supermax prisons. And most of these individuals are victims of their own emotion and mind. They were never taught how to make yourself more peaceful, how to talk about getting rid of the frustration and the anger and the fear, all these wild emotions that people have that drive them to do things they would not normally do. It's a, it, they're victims of their own mind. And so one of the things we say is when the energy is higher and it's moving up within us, then we experience love when the same energy is moving in a downward direction in our physiology and body, we can have hate. Right. So hate a and love. Yeah. yeah. It's on a, people these things. I'm sorry, we got a little time gap there. But a lot of people are are, are looking at the these 19 kids that were killed, and they think it was it's it's really terrible and it's horrible what's going on across right. our country, shootings and killings. And one of the questions I want to ask you, Dr. James, is they had a couple of uh, I guess pastors or or leaders of the church on on the news the last couple of days, and they ask why do children have to die. Uh, you know, they're they're asking why God allows that. Do you have, I know you probably have some information on that. I do, but it's not something that will be immediately satisfactory to these individuals. Yes. When these things happen, obviously you have to have time for grief and ideally you should stand up for peace and stand up for taking steps to avoid and prevent that from happening. I've been in war regions. I've been in terrorist regions where people have become so stressed and the opportunity for their lives are so limited that they take extreme action. And an act like that by an individual is done in delusion. It's done in absolute unbelievable call for help. And it would be nice if these kids could learn how to deal with these feelings and emotions that are driving them. And obviously we need to do other things, get control of these war weapons. It just makes sense. And that has already been done in countries and it does really work. It's not the ultimate solution to everything, but if we want to create a peaceful world, 
we need to learn how to create peaceful people. Right. You're not being educated in your schools, in your colleges. I never, I got a PhD. I never learned how to deal with this mind of mine, how to deal with anger and frustration. And, uh, you know, I made mistakes in my life, which I share all of that stuff in, in my, my novels and podcasts and everything. But I learned how to create such a sense of happiness and joy that that would be impossible. Just like a mother, a loving mother, couldn't possibly do something like this to their children because they feel that those that are close to them are absolutely part of them. Mm-hmm. This more advanced state of consciousness that I'm talking about, you feel everybody is part of you, as belonging to you. And it, any more than, you know, you chop off your finger, you could never do anything like that. It becomes not possible with these higher qualities of love and compassion developing. And we can grow these. We can develop these. And we don't know how to do that. We haven't learned the skills to do that. And some of the cultures have been studying these things a lot longer than us. You know, these cultures that I studied in, in, in India and Asia and so forth, they've been working on some of these problems for well over 10,000 years or more. And the focus of their society, instead of making technology and gadgets and so forth, and there's obviously a place for that, was to how to, how to create a loving, peaceful individual that really is the core of our problem. And that is, that can be grown, that can be developed. We know how to, you know, grow carrots, right? <laughs> We've got to put a little fertilizer out there. We have a little seed in there. You have a little loving care yeah, and loving care. it comes up. It just comes yeah. up. Now so, we're, we're talking about these gun, these shootings, and this is a, a political situation to where they're fighting each other on what policies they could have. But I, I saw a study that they said that back in the 50s and 60s, 49% or maybe even 51% of the homes had guns in them. And now only 37% of the homes have guns in them. So that there has been a 10% decrease in gun ownership in the last 20, 30 years. Well, this is interesting. You know, the way that facts go, you can make any argument and then you can go out and try to marshal your reasons for that is true. Mm -hmm. You can take anything and you can make an argument for it. I'm not interested in arguments. I'm not Mm -hmm. interested in one side or the other side. I'm just interested in helping people manage and deal with their own mind and their own heart. And I've been into other parts of the world where extremism is part of that culture. And it's usually because of frustration and the inability to have a satisfactory life. Essentially, everybody wants the same thing, but we're not going to make everybody have one point of view. And in the same way, I am a healthcare doctor. I'm I'm a doctor that's worked in natural healthcare. And I've had patients that have, you know, stage three and four cancer. And I've been, I'm not in practice now, but we teach them how to live better and deal, manage their stress and increase the vitality health in their body. And in many cases, they can turn these things around. 
Mm-hmm. Well, getting back to the gun part of it, I, I'm, a, I'm a combat veteran and I had to live by the gun uh, in, in combat. But what they're saying is if they, if they take the guns from people that they know have the guns and they have a clean record, it's just like myself. You know, I, I have a license and I have a clean record. I don't have any felonies, but there's the people on the street, the gangsters and the hoods, uh, they, they get the guns illegally through the black market and they can't stop those. So if they take the guns from the good people, then the bad people will still have the guns. That's a problem. The biggest problem, I think, in trying to get an answer to all this, uh, this killing and shooting. Well, you can't solve the problem on the level of that problem. Right. You have to go beyond to something more and really to a new understanding of life and what makes us act in ways that we wouldn't normally act. So you have, what, every day, 50,000 thoughts, right? Right. Or 100,000 thoughts. A few of those thoughts may be crazy. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to do this to this person. I'd like just like to catch that person. But you don't act on those. Yeah, I think we're at a break time now. We're going to take a, a short pause, Dr. James. You're listening to Dr. James Weldon, and uh, he's he's got a lot more information coming up. And you're listening to Dave Emmons on W-O-D-Y, and that's Odyssey Radio out of Maryland. Be right back. Have a suggestion for a future guest for the Dave Emmons Show? Text us at 443-372-8121 or visit his show page at odysseyradio.live. Now back to Dave Emmons. And before the break, uh, we have Dr. James Weldon here with us. And he's talking about consciousness, spirituality. Now we're talking about present day evil, I guess we can call it, and trying to overcome it with a consciousness and a, and a spirituality that everybody should share with one another and actually take a look at, at the nature of the humankind right now. It's, it's pretty bad. We got war in Ukraine, and which is really bad. And, and we can call uh, Putin, the president of Russia, he could be called evil. And I guess that's what a lot of people think, Dr. James, is that people the good people have to fight the evil, and that's why we have violence. Well, when you look at these kinds of situations, it's really just a very, very small number of people that cause most of the difficulties in this world, you know, 0.001%. And I'll give you an example of something that our organization has done. Now, the founder of our organization has been working worldwide to create more peace. And he's really the successor to the likes of Mahatma Gandhi, but also uh, the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu and many other national leaders are connected with our NGO, International Association of Human Values of that organization. But let me give you an example of something that really happened, okay? So in South America, there was a group 
called the FARC, who had been at war with the Colombian government for many, many decades. And they were radicals. They were in the forest. They, they, were, they had guns. And they kept on fighting. And it was the position of the government that if we could catch all these people, we would kill them instantly. So that war had gone on for a very long period of time. And there were arguments on both sides. They wanted to help the people that were more in the rural area. There were extreme political differences. And the anger and the frustration resulted in fighting that had gone on for a very long period of time. Now, this particular group, the FARC, couldn't go anywhere in the world at that time except to Cuba. And so they had gone to Cuba, and the founder of our organization, Sri Sri, nonviolent approach in, in the model of, you know, the nonviolent movements coming out of India. He went to Cuba, and they were there, and he was teaching a course, as he does in many places around the world. He goes into some very difficult areas. And they had, some of them had heard his program on learning how to use the breath to get rid of stress. These breathing techniques, this class called the healing breath class. Okay. These courses that it teaches all around the world. And there's millions and millions of people that have taken it. And they heard his conversation, but they were there just to get a little bit of reprieve in the only place they could go. And a few of them came to him and he said, well, why don't you try this two or three day course? He didn't try to change their minds. Somebody is stuck in a particular point of view. You have a particular attitude. Someone says, you got to change it. Are you going to change it? No. (laughs) (laughs) The harder someone says you got to be this way, the more you'll resist to try to be as you are. Okay. So he, he taught him this stress management course and, and these This fear, this anger, this rage accumulates in the body, accumulates in the mind and the emotion. And through this class, they took it and they felt a lot of relief, tremendous relief. And after that, he met with the delegation and also people from the government, said, well, all these years you've been using the violent approach, where has it gotten you? And they really haven't achieved really any of their goals. And he said, why don't you consider the nonviolent approach? What if you were to drop your guns? He said, well, we can't drop our guns because the people in Colombia, they're going to come and kill us. And they said, but if I could get them to create an amnesty for you, okay, would you consider moving to a nonviolent approach? And so then they went to the heads of the government there They also taught them the same program. In other words, this program was a precursor to having a rational, logical communication. Otherwise, everybody's hardened. Everybody's so hardened in their point of view, they're not going to listen to anybody. No matter. They they ask, are you one of these categories? And so they're not going to listen. That's the end of it. Okay. And so the, the people there, our teachers taught the program to the people in the government, including the heads of the country. And they said, they would consider nonviolence, but they they were letting go of their arms, but you need to get permission of the people in the country. 
they need to approve it. And so there was a big referendum, a national referendum, and the first one slightly failed, and the second one was approved. And so they were given amnesty. Okay, the past is the past. And if they were willing to drop their guns and adopt a nonviolent approach, we were going to continue to teach these things to many of the other people that were hiding in the bushes and the jungles there, and the people in the government as well. It finally was approved. And this was the end of that war. It literally stopped. Peaceful settlement. Uh, we're, you were talking about terrorists, and you were with working with them. Now, the terrorists, they had this Koran. And there's two Korans, from what I understand. You probably know more about this than I do, but a lot of it says kill, you know, the infidels. And, and we, the, you know, outside of their Muslim religion, we are the infidels. So do they say they're going to keep on killing? Do any of these people that you talk to? So we have very little understanding of the source of the spiritual traditions of the world, where these people come from and their real true life story. You know, what came down as the Christian religion, that was put together 300, 300, over 300 years after Jesus had done his work. He wasn't there to create a religion. Mm -hmm. This happened later. Same thing happened to Islam, that he was a beautiful poet, a great lover of God, and said some very beautiful things. But people that took those original writings they were translated into multiple languages, and even some of the words changed their meaning. It was used, they were essentially used for their purposes, for their active, for their purposes. So it was twisted and distorted. And we don't really understand the sources of these traditions and the sources of these great individuals that bring peace into the world where they come from. What I teach is not a religion. But we do support the faiths and religions of everybody, every tradition in the world. And our organization can go into these places without having opposition from the people in the Islam tradition. And by the way, one area that I went and taught by did anti-terrorist was actually in a Christian religion place, a place called Assam, totally Christian I went there and taught some of these things and it brought down the violence. So That's, when we're, when yeah. we're, when we're cherry picking our arguments from a particular point of view, we can make almost any argument from that instead of just recognizing that we're all human beings on this world. And really we're very young in our culture. We're very young in our understanding of spirituality you know, people are curious about the ETs and whether they're real or unreal, whether they're watching or protecting us. So we are a young culture. We're a young world. When you really look at this from a bigger point of view, our whole world is just a speck of dust <laughs> flying yeah. through space about half the speed of light. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I think the division, they, talk, they keep talking about division. We have division in this country. Uh, you know, race division. Uh, also, there's actually a religious division. You talk about Muslim and Christian. We have these divisions between churches and religion. 
I've had people tell me, uh, what religion are you? And I, I, I used to be Catholic years ago, but now I'm not. And they, and I say I'm more of a spiritualist, just like you're, you're talking. And then they say a lot of the, a lot of the people that go to church, it's no slam at them, uh, because they don't understand. They say, Oh, you're a spiritualist. Then you're an atheist. I said, Oh, no. I said, God is the pinnacle of all, of all this, you know, all spiritualism and consciousness and all the universes. So how do you make people understand and stop all this division? You bring them into the state of peace. You bring them back into a state of mind, of happiness, of more fulfillment, of more energy and more vitality. Depression is an indication of very low energy. Vital force is low. When you're worn down, when you're worried, then you get depressed. But if you have great strength and you've learned how to charge this body with energy, you can increase your level of awareness. Awareness is not a static thing. It can grow and expand and become tremendous and literally come to the point that you feel yourself as part, not an imaginary sense of everybody and everything. There's more love hidden in this universe than we could ever imagine. Mm -hmm. There's more creativity, more energy. All of the good qualities of life are there in infinite amounts. But right. if we don't know how to connect with those levels, then we don't get the flow of that into your life. I mean, imagine you can type something on your keyboard and it comes down, right? Whatever it is, even random letters, you'll get something. What if you could download happiness and fulfillment, not imaginary, but deep peace and satisfaction, you could connect with that. That is what we're trying to teach people how to do, to be connected to their core existence. At the depth of our being is our soul, our very existence. And that existence is part of everybody's existence. And the right. deeper you get within your mind, your unconscious mind becomes conscious. You get to those deeper levels of your existence. More and more of that happiness increases within you. And right. then Dr. you James, yeah. an excellent message for today. I find so many people depressed. I even have family members that are depressed about what's going on in the world. You got Putin, who's a, who actually is a madman. And I guess we can call him that. He's, he makes up the, uh, the evil of the world because to do something like this to Ukraine, it's horrible. But when you look at that, you look at him personally, doesn't he want to just have that accomplishment? He thinks that if he accomplishes that, he'll be happy, right? Mm. Yeah. Think about the people that the different administrations that were going on and what happened the last four years, an individual that wanted fame, wanted to control, wanted power. If you had unlimited power, would it be enough? It's not enough. It'll never be enough. Our senses, our ability to hear, touch and taste are limited. So I love lemon meringue pie. The first piece is great, but the 10th piece makes me sick. Yeah. So there are limited. Our senses are all limited. But what we want is a limitless happiness and joy, a continuum 
of feeling good, satisfied, and complete. And I'm telling you, that is the story that I've been writing, how that can be attained and lived. It's not a religion. It's not a tradition that you need to believe anything. All of this you need to experience for yourself. So even in our own tradition, we don't understand the fundamentals of the kingdom of heaven is within you. What does that mean? Does that mean there's a place within you which is totally fulfilled and happy? Yes. Yes, there is such a place. But we've lost the capability to connect with that. Even with all of these things happening in the world, and there always have been wars, there always have been confused individuals that cause difficulties. If you look at the trend of history, actually, we're we're making progress. We are making progress. You, you know, my father lived through a world war where 25 million citizens, innocent citizens were killed. You know, one country trying to bomb another. His job was to determine where the nuclear bombs were going to go. You think that wasn't a scary time? Yeah. So there are good and great forces in this world. And those good and great forces can live through you as part of you. And you, when, when the love comes up, when the compassion comes up from within you and the tears of connectedness with those people that have had great tragedy, where does that come from? That comes from something very deep within you, which is look, which is looking beyond the superficialities. And so that's what we want people to begin to experience in their life. I've been, I've been going to church. I'm sorry. If people are going to church to get that, that piece, then whatever works, that that's what works for a person. So, yeah. So I had my own Christian church, small church when I was 13 years old. So when my father passed away, when I was very young, I wanted some answers. And so we formed our own little bitty church in Cocoa Beach, Florida, and it was a kid's church. And we would go there and we would pray and we would sing to God and we would cry out for help. And there was real inspiration that came from that. But for me, it wasn't enough. It was just beginning to open that door. And the traditions of this world have a little bit of that. They don't have all the answers. When mm-hmm. someone thinks, says that they have all the answers, they know it all, you should look somewhere else. <laughs> I, I run into that, I tell you. And uh, that doesn't mean you need that. to change them. You don't need to reject them and oh. say, oh, you're wrong, you're bad. Let them be. You right. know, your, your belief and attitude, there was a certain time you weren't having these ET experiences. And somebody came mm-hmm. up and said some of the things that you may be saying. You would think they were a little bit bonkers, too, wouldn't you? Right. So but, you, yeah, I, I give them that opportunity to say, if I see one, I believe it. Then those people are great to me. That's that's being kind, you know. So everybody grows from being a baby to mm-hmm. a child right. to a, a school person, then a graduate. And then you get more freedom. Consciousness is like that. There are stages and steps to that. And if you think in any sense that there is not a great wondrous force and great beings overwatching this world, that is not the case. There are. 
there are much greater forces than really we can imagine. And so I'm talking about how to connect with those. If you call that spirit, that's fine. If you want to call it by some name, Jesus, Mohammed, that's fine. I mean, they have a nice tradition. They bow down and pray six times a day. You know, that's pretty cool. So it's only when people take these things and they try to weaponize them for specific reasons, even the story of Christianity. And I share that in my story behind the story of the greatest story ever told, not published, but the podcast is out there. Basically, Constantine needed something to protect and fight against other Roman emperors at that time. And he took that tradition and used that to militarize it in certain sense so they could go out and continue to conquer. So it's a, it's a true story. It's well documented. So a lot of these King James uh, Bible back in the 13th century, King James developed that Bible in order to make people feel he wanted them to feel guilty about stealing gold from the kingdom. And he wanted his treasures not to be messed with by the peons. So he had this Bible and used it. He weaponized it. It's like you said a while ago about Constantine. And he weaponized it towards his, uh, his people, his peons, whatever, to make them feel bad if they stole any gold, make them feel guilty. You know, most people act out of good intents, but their intents get cloudy. They mm-hmm. get twisted. And so they end up with not the result that they want. So I'm not interested in changing anybody's faith or belief or tradition. I'm saying, let's look to the source of that, where it comes from. You know, we're in a time now where we're globalizing a lot of knowledge. You don't feel strange if you go out and eat Chinese food or you go to some other tradition. There's a lot of things that are taught. In Islam, food are there, the food that's taught in Mecca. You eat that food. Right. So in the field of advancing life and increasing the quality of the goodness within you, we're just a little bit behind the scenes in terms of where we need to be. Dr. James, they say the Russian food is not very good, though. (laughs) That's what I heard. Yeah, Uh, I haven't. I've been I've been in there and i've traveled to china i've traveled to many countries teaching some of these things around the world but my biggest adventure was actually going into those terrorist regions and uh, working with those individuals and we were really able to bring down the violence and hundreds of those quote terrorists that had guns they disarmed this really happened there that takes bravery from you and i appreciate that i mean i'm looking at that and i said I don't know if I would do that. I'm a combat veteran. I don't know if I would go into that that uh, nest. You know. Well, my teacher was a little sneaky. He didn't tell me I was going to a terrorist zone. <laughs> uh, he didn't even tell me. I had a high tech company, and I was yeah. trying to go public to raise some money to create uh, the retreat center that's in the video and that you can see, but people on audio aren't seeing that. And so I decided, okay, I'll go out and become a multimillionaire. <laughs> And raise the money to create a center that is dedicated to helping people grow in the quality of their life. And uh, that company had failed. It's a dot-com bomb, dot-com failure. But then he called me overseas and then he said, oh, I got something to you. 
to do in the northern part of the country here and sent me into the terrorist region. I didn't even know it was a terrorist region until the first night we could hear the the mortars going off and machine guns going off down the street from where I was. So we traveled around and taught a lot of these things. Now, this was a totally a a Christian community. It was all, they were, it was all converted. These are, these people were more like Mongolian and Chinese in this area called Assam, but there was fighting going on and a lot of problems there. And so I went there to, to try to quell the violence and it, it really did work. And so a group of individuals that meet together with love creates a, an energy around them, which does influence the society. And uh, I enjoyed going to some of these early Christian churches, which were very deep and devoted in their, their love of life. And there was a great energy there. And there wasn't any problem with the Muslims and the Christians uh, being close to each other. Most of those actions are created by a very, very small number of people that have extreme points of view. Radicals. You know, the the craziness in the Second World War, we had entire countries Mm -hmm. trying to murder each other, you know. And so we've, we've improved a lot. We haven't had one of those great world wars, and hopefully we'll avoid that. But usually after these events, and I hope that they don't happen, there is a, an upsurge in peace in the world, and there's a movement towards reconciliation. In a certain sense, we need to learn to drop the past and get right. beyond our just our attitudes and beliefs. Belief is belief, and you can make an argument for anything, almost anything. Yeah. The mind works that way. But what is beyond our mind and intellect, our ego, what are we? What is the essence of our existence? How can you move into that place and begin to begin experience the heart of love that is in every individual? You know, and, and parents have had some of these experiences. Things happen to their children and they kind of know something's going on. You know, we are connected, but we need right. to deepen that connection and, and Make it real. And it can be well doc. It can actually be documented. You can prove that these things are quite real. And a lot of this is actually behind the latest studies in quantum mechanics and the discovery that Einstein made and how things are linked over time and space. There's a lot of science that shows that we're in a living universe and that living universe has the ability to know a lot of things and not the common way just by right. you had a, you had a great story. You told me here a couple of weeks ago about Jesus Christ. And I've seen some documentaries, uh, archeologists and a few other, I guess, scientists who are researching this and they actually were saying just what you told me. Now, this is not against any religion, just like you said, and Dr. James, I can tell you people, he's, he's straight up with this spiritualism. He's got love and peace, and the people around him have the same thing. They don't like division. They don't like to be cutting down churches or religions, just like he said. But, you know, it's, it comes to a point where all these things just mesh together, and then you have these wars, and you have these senseless wars, or what I call them. I got a book that, that's coming out soon from Senseless Wars as a Combat Veteran, and it's like Korea, we lost 40,000 people there, our soldiers. They lost a lot more. 
And in Vietnam, we lost $58,400 part of that war, but I made it out alive. I was lucky. And then we have Afghanistan and Iraq, all kind of senseless wars. We go in there to, we try to change people. You said earlier, you don't want to change anybody's religion or their thoughts. You just, you can't, you you can't, you can't go in a country and change them either. You go in and you say, I have all the answers. So what we do in our nonprofit, people need food. We give them food. People need shelter. We give them shelter. People need to be in a peaceful place and learn how to get over the trauma of events that have happened to them. We can teach them how to release these things so that every time you think about some horrible event happens in your life, it becomes like a scar inside of you and you're traumatized by that. So how do you, how do you heal those deeper parts of your being? That's what we try to help people do. And, you know, there's an emotion associated, there's a style of breathing associated with every emotion. When you're angry, you breathe in a certain way. When you're sad, you breathe in a certain way. When you're happy, oh my goodness, that's great. That's wonderful. (laughs) So you can actually learn how to use that link without having to analyze the event. So there's garbage and trauma stored within our, all of our minds and bodies. And those individuals that have accumulated the most number of that, those are the individuals that do extreme actions, thinking that that will provide some satisfaction. They cling on to some idea saying, well, if this happens, then I'll be happy. And it really makes no difference. You know, right. whatever, whatever you have in your life, if you want to be famous and have a billion dollars, fine. Well, we know lots of billionaires that are very, very unhappy people. A lot of them commit suicide or get onto drugs. They do. And they do. Yes. And I've seen, I've seen this throughout uh, combat that a lot of guys get on drugs to try to pass over their pain. But it's only, it's only a natural sense that love and, and kindness is a lot better than pain and, and death, uh, you know, or, or, whatever you go through in life, the pain and distress, love and kindness feels good. Pain does not feel good. It's only natural. But the question is, how can you increase those qualities in your mind? You can't be. We're going to need to hold that thought, Dr. James. We're going to take another pause. Uh, We'll be right back. You're listening to Dr. James Weldon. And this is W.O.D.Y. Odyssey Radio. And this is Dave Emmons. And we'll be right back. If you missed any part of tonight's show or would just like to hear it again, you can find it on our website, odysseyradio.live. Just click on the Dave Evans show page and scroll down for past shows. Now back to Dave. Welcome back, everybody. And we're talking to Dr. James Weldon. And he's a, he's fantastic in, in trying to, I guess he's, we're trying to, he's trying to soothe people with their spiritual spirituality their consciousness and bring peace into people's lives and and boy do we need it today this is dave emmons with wody odyssey radio and uh dr james weldon uh 
where'd we leave off? Did you want to, you want to continue with the, which where you left off? You choose the way we go. Okay. I was, I was fascinated by uh, a story that she was telling about Jesus Christ. And I've seen an archeologist and I've, I've on, on documentaries and scientists who, who actually said that Jesus, he did not die on the cross and he lived to be 84 years old. Now there's a lot of archeologists that, that talked about that the last two or three weeks. And you have a story from India that, that really blew my mind. Could you elaborate on that? Well, in that part of the world, there's a whole nother story of the life of Jesus. And actually even that name Jesus wasn't his name. You know, Aramic was the language and there's no J in that language. So in the East, there's a whole nother story of his life before that, before he left what is Israel now, around the age of 13, we know he disappeared. And then he reemerged in his 30s back at home again. And then there was the crucifixion. And you could say he died and came back. That's fine. But then he disappeared again. So what happened in those times? Well, in the East, Paul or Saul told the story of belief, right? Mm -hmm. When the Bible, he was never with Jesus, but he said, I had this incredible experience and you just need to believe. And so that was what became the core of the teaching. But in the East, doubting Thomas, Thomas ended up in the Chennai region in southern India. That was actually the first church. So, and even the Pope went there. Okay. So there's a whole nother story. And that story, one way to begin to understand that, if I just took, let's say, two and a half years of your life, and I just talked about that, would I know your full life? I wouldn't. I would only have a fraction of what you've been through here. And so what came down in the Bible was just that short period of time. But when you look at the events, as talked about in that part of the world, my teacher told me that the full story. And then with this capability, like Edgar Case, I begin to see those events in a very high state of consciousness beyond my control of what really happened. I started writing these things down over 25 years ago never intending they would become a book just because I needed to get it out of my mind, my system. And so that story is basically that, first of all, you need to understand that our life is much bigger and longer. And we've been around before. Mm. I mean, just think of all these children that have just passed away. If that was their whole life and you just had, you know, two or three years, five years, 15 years, what kind of justice would there be in the universe? If they weren't given a chance maybe to come back and live a different life, a more complete life, a world that doesn't have a bigger existence to us because the universe is really forever, it wouldn't be a universe of love. It would be a mad universe, wouldn't it? In a certain sense, right. it would be a crazy universe. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's a good point on those kids. I was talking about that a while ago, but excellent point. Uh, Warner Von Braun was interviewed uh, or visited by Yuri Geller. And uh, Yuri told me in a radio interview that uh, he asked Von Braun, why, why did you make these V-2 missiles and rockets to kill all these people? And he said, don't you have a guilty conscience killing all these people? And Von Braun said, I sent them to a better life. They went from here to a better life. Now, I don't think the Nazis were religious or, 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 or peaceful. or They had know. a certain fanaticism, and yeah. there was a kind of twisted spirituality there. And by the way, my father's job was actually working with those missiles, those early missiles. Really? Yeah. Wow. He ran the, uh, the telemetry division of the Space Technology Laboratories in Florida, at Patrick Air Force Base, and that's what was taking off at the Cape at that time, was these very early missiles. So he was involved in the development of that. And of course, then they put nuclear weapons on them, which you know created more danger in the world. But getting back to, let's get back to the, the story of Jesus. So the, the right. story in that part of the world, you remember the three wise men, where mm -hmm. did they come from? Well, we know where they came from. We know what their names were. There are records in that part of the world talking about that. And they were sent to that part of the world around the time after the child was born, saying that the, you're you, telling their parents that they have a, you have a very special child that's born. And he needs to go to that part of the world at a certain point and be educated, be trained. This was the job of the three wise men. Right. And so they gave them some capabilities. They gave them some wealth. They gave him some instructions. He did some very interesting things. We don't hear much about it as a child, surprised the leaders in the church. But basically, around the age of 13, he traveled to what is India now. It wasn't India at that time. It was princely states on the Black Sea as a ship's boy. And when he arrived, there was somebody from a school that was waiting for them. There were uh, individuals that had this very significant advanced intuition, kind of like Edgar Cayce had shown, but much more developed. And so this child went to an area called Chennai, and he was trained. He also, by the way, stopped by, and also the three wise men were there at the main center of our organization in Bangalore, India on the route, but essentially he went to a school there, kind of like an international school. He didn't become a priest or a Vedic pundit or any of that, but he they learned service. So basically uh, there was an individual there that was the head of that called Raja Rishi, and he was told by his teacher that this person was coming. He needed to be trained. So he spent about 13 years learned how to do service, learned how to feed people, take care of the poor, and was educated just like many of the children of some of these people that worked. Because there was travelers that came from many different countries there that were nearby by boat. And so he trained there, went through a number of experiences. And he was very curious, you know, also about Buddhism, because it was just a few hundred years before that that Buddha was there. That was one of the last very, very great beings. By the way, just like Christianity, Buddha did not 
come to create Buddhism. That happened later. This, just like the splintering of the churches, thousands of different splinter groups. Buddhism also split into different hundreds of groups. So Buddha, you know, talked about peace and he didn't argue with anybody. And he was very interested in that. So he did a tour up the coast. So he liked to travel. He liked boats. And he made his way across the country, went through some adventures, some very interesting adventures, uh, and traveled to many of the holy places in India. And I talk about that in my book. So what actually happened in my case, so think of your mind like a vast internet that can actually get access to these things. There's a very high state of consciousness that Edgar Case was speaking through. It's called Turiya. It's a super consciousness. It's not a decision-making place. It's just pure experience. So I started many years ago uh, with some blessings from my teacher. I began to see these events of his life. I didn't try to do that, but I was very interested in Christianity, obviously, and the stories that I'd heard. And so I began to see these scenes and events, just like walking through a 3D movie. And I would, I would come out of those states, not only with the events, but literally the feelings that he passed through. So after a couple of days, I thought, well, I better start writing some of this stuff down. And that's where I started. Right. So this and is you, said he, you said Jesus uh, was 15 years old when he went to India. He, uh, he, he left oh. around 13. What happened is that they, at that time, often married people or mar people were promised to be married. And there were some events that he was going through where he and his family were actually at risk. You know, that was a very, very dangerous time in the world. The Romans you couldn't mess with. And almost mm -hmm. any of those Roman soldiers could take you out of your house and kill you on the spot. You know, mm -hmm. they massacred and crucified people right along the roads there. So they were allowing the Jewish people to practice their faith with certain restrictions so there was a lot of suffering, and life was quite short and dangerous there. So he was born to, to bring some grace and healing into that country that he was born into. So he, he had adventures, and I go through all the different adventures. He went through broken legs and how we traveled around. But also you remember at the time of Moses, when the tribes dispersed, there were many tribes of, Mo, of the Jewish people that spread out in many different directions, many different places around the world. And actually, one of those was in northern India, in a Kashmir region. And to this day, there are white Kashmiris with Jewish blood and towns with Jewish names and so forth there. A lot of the language, there actually was a place there supposedly passed. So he was interested and he felt it was time he'd learned enough he should go home. And so he went up into this area and then made his way on the caravan route back to his home. And so the adventures that he had there were a very short period of time. He wasn't well known. Actually, John the Baptist was much more well known than he was. Mm -hmm. But he was a mystic out in the desert. And he, he wanted people to repent, to, to give up the limited life they were living and be bathed in the spirit of divine love. And baptism was an example of that. So 
John the Baptist basically would, it would be nice to take a bath, by the way. <laughs> Few people did wash their clothes, get clean. But that, that act of baptism is symbolic of coming into the spirit of our being. Our spiritual essence is, in a sense, like water. You know, uh, you'll find yourself flowing into certain experiences. And so John the Baptist had great intuition, and he knew that this individual was coming, coming into the world. And so Jesus was a man like any man, but obviously a very advanced spiritual being. He was trained even in earlier lives. I talk about some of that. And by the way, when I talk about this, I'm not asking anybody to believe anything. I'm just sharing exactly what I experienced. This is my opinion. These are the records that I looked at that I did, but I'm not trying to be an expert in archaeology or the Bible. There were some archaeologists. Yeah, I'm just... About documentaries that said the same thing. Yeah, so BBC did this documentary, and, and a couple of people have done it. I'm not trying to replace that documentary. What I'm trying to do is share from the experiential point of view, the experiences that I definitely had with no intent whatsoever of these events, just like Edgar Case saw things, I started seeing these things. And so mm -hmm. I started writing them down. And so he was crucified. John the Baptist knew that he was a special individual. And literally when he bathed him in, in the river there, the, he was christened. And you can say that the father, the principle of grace and love came in and joined. So he became Esau or Jesus, the Christ. That name was not used, but it was used later in India. That's it kind of came back. But so he was christened. So he became a christened being that was living the very high enlightened life the realm that few people can understand. And so he had great intuition. Spontaneously healing started happening. He tried to go into the synagogue. He was rejected. He traveled around for a while. And these blessings and healings that he did, quite honestly, I've seen a lot of very, very amazing things like this in my own life, traveling around and meeting with some of these people in that part of the world. So so anyway, so he was crucified, and uh, he wasn't guilty, obviously. Uh, and, you know, they knew he wasn't guilty, but they thought that he was speaking blasphemy. And so he, he was crucified. But he didn't stay up on the cross that long, and they thought he was dead. You know, obviously, the soldier that was there, put the spear into him, but he put it on the opposite side of his heart. You know, right side. Yeah. So, I mean, that's well documented. So anyway, so he went into a, so the question is what happened during that time? They thought he was dead. Now, by the way, many times individuals have in the world now been frozen in lakes or almost frozen. People have automobile accidents, their heart stopped. They think they're dead and they're still the body still can be brought back. This happens commonly now, all the mm -hmm. time in every city. Right. And, and also there's a, a good documentation about some of the things that happen when people pass. You know, the story of going down the tunnel and meeting with mm -hmm. relatives or re meeting with angels or holy beings, and then given a choice, 
right? To come back. There's right. plenty of documentation on that. Right. Separate people all over the world have had that. And by the way, there's lots of examples of children that remember some of their past lives that yeah. literally have taken people to the place that they lived, told them details. So, a couple of the mysteries, uh, uh, Dr. James says, there was two angels that inseminated Mary, uh, you know, she, Mary Magdalene, and they inseminated her when she was 13. Well, that's the time they're supposed to get married anyway at that age. So who were those angels? And who were the angels that were that removed the boulder or the stone at the tomb? Well, first of all, everything doesn't have to be made magical in order to becoming spiritual. You know, because of the things that Jesus did, the latter church, which again came up hundreds of years later, after the Bible had been translated, you know, over and over again. They were enamored of miracles, so sometimes when they are, it's been translated into many languages, I'm not going to argue on what really happened and what didn't happen. But there are a host of angelic beings, of higher beings. We can talk about that in the next segment because I've experienced some of that definitely in my life. I oh, wouldn't wow. call them I wouldn't call them ETs, but now I would. These things that yeah. happened to me when I was a child. You know, I was not interested in, quote, the ETs like you were, yeah. uh, even though I, the training that some of the individuals did that are heading up the ET uh, group, that's that spiritual teacher, the Maharishi, I taught, trained with him much longer and for a much more extensive period of time. So I've had more research in that area. So basically, the the typical story of a person passing and then meeting high beings. He, he talked about, he, he was crucified really for saying the father and I are one. Yeah, to he say, that, say the son of God, right? Well, that they called him that later, that name was added by the group of people that came together at Constantine time. They had a meeting, they had a convocation and many people, they, the small church, and it was very small gathered together and they argued on what the doc document was going to be. And there was really two points of view. One was to, to just accept that this is, this is the answer, Paul or Saul. I, don't, I can't explain it. You just need to accept it. Or Mary Magdalene and the Essenes and some people that were in the, the mystics that basically said that this state of heavenliness is an attainment of the spirit. And these are qualities that you need to grow and develop really in your life, throughout your life. And so obviously, Constantine couldn't set up churches all around the world and have people spend 20 or 30 years doing prayer practices and meditation practices. So he took Saul's model. And so that's, what, that's how it really was organized. And there's lots of history about what happened afterwards and how the Dead Sea Scrolls you know, there was a lot more writings and so on and so forth. But well, basically, I, well, basically, he, he survived. He survived. We know and can't, don't doubt that he came back out. He was alive. Mm -hmm. Okay. And he said, look into my hands. You can see. And they couldn't believe it. And by the way, Mary Magdalene was the most advanced individual spiritually. She was a very advanced soul. 
And she loved Jesus. She loved him. Right. You know, not only as a as a holy being, but also as a person. Yeah. They yeah. were married, right? Or you could say that gotcha. possibly. Yeah. 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 And of course, you know, there's she was defamed later on, and things right. were written about her that weren't true, you know, and I won't argue with who was right and not right, but so basically, let's say that you die on the operating table and uh, your heart stops or it's very minimal and uh, and you sit there for a little while and you go to the other side during there and you're given a choice. You can go on. And by the way, most of the people that have these kinds of experiences, they don't want to come back. Right. The amount of joy and happiness and fulfillment they express, individuals that totally are in love with money that are rich and have every great thing in the families. Many, most of these individuals say, I didn't want to come back. No, no, don't. I don't want to go back. They just wanted to have a moment of that experience that shows right. you of the potential of great love within us. So Jesus was living that, but he had more work to do and he hadn't completed his spiritual journey. So he chose to come back. And one of the episodes that I do share in in the podcast is how he came back and Mary Magdalene was there. They thought he was dead and he rose. You could say he came back from the dead. He was with the father. He was with the master grace principle of life. Mm -hmm. there, there literally is a principle of grace. And he came into the world really to relieve the suffering of the people. This pro, the, the story is really true. You know, beings like this, they're like giant garbage collectors. If we've lived a long time, we've made a lot of mistakes. So how do we get over those? How do we prevent those things from coming back on us? Because every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. As you sow, so shall you reap. So yeah. if you've done bad things in the past, does that mean you need to go through all those hor horrible things? Well, Not necessarily. Jesus, uh, the high priests were jealous of him because he was so knowledgeable and he had a lot of wisdom and his his 12 disciples, he had to speak to them in, in simple terms because they just couldn't understand him that well. And he had a hard time communicating because he had to talk in parables. Yeah, he, he, he was very, very careful. He really was. And he wasn't going to teach them meditation with vibrational sounds like they do in the East. He, the, the breathing techniques, all of these advanced things that he didn't teach them that because People aren't, weren't ready to accept that and understand that. And really his work was, let me take on your sorrows and your suffering that you're going through. Give it to me. I accept it. And so he went through something that he was innocent of because of, you could say, perhaps because of that. It wasn't destined that he'd be crucified, but that's the way things turned out at the end. And he was, he was saved by the Father. He was brought back out. He lived through that terrible ordeal, which, by the way, was just a small event in his life. And when he came back out, people couldn't believe it. You know, he traveled around for a few weeks, mm -hmm. and then he traveled back to India by the caravan route. His mother had already gone. We know where he went. There's a place where he was buried. And the, the people that came with him was Bartholomew and Doubting Thomas. Those are the two people. Because even mm -hmm. after all those experiences— they still couldn't believe it. You know, yeah. it wasn't like, they were, it wasn't like yeah. there were a hundred thousand people following him. It was still yeah. very Mary small. Magdalene. 
Mary Magdalene was with him, right? And she went back to India with him? No, she didn't. No, she, she didn't. didn't. See, she was in love with the christened Jesus. Mm-hmm. The great power. I mean, just his presence made people feel love. Just being there, just mm-hmm. being with him, looking at those people. When he touched people, those healing energies spontaneously went out. He didn't go around going, I'm going to heal you. Now it's going to happen. It wasn't a big act. He wasn't trying to show off his spiritual powers. These real powers, they're actually, they they happen. They happen around beings like this. And there are beings like this in the world now, by the way. Very great beings. So so, um, there was an ascension. In other words, after he came back out, he knew that he couldn't stick around. If he had stayed around, they would have captured him and chopped him up in pieces. So he needed to leave. Okay. But the father quality, the divine principle of grace, had completed that work and that left. So when they talk about, you know, that they saw something in the skies arising at the time, something really happened. There was an ascension. But he didn't, like, disappear. His body did, didn't go poof and just no. turn into smoke. He, there was still a person there, Isa, that individual, that name came later. But he, he was finished with that, and he was a very elevated individual, but he needed to go back and complete moving into this next state of consciousness known as cosmic awareness, one with the divine living one with the divine. And the so teaching took- that I think I get from the, the story of Jesus is love one another, forgive one another. And also there is a life after this, we go on to an afterlife. You know, there are people that really know. And I have to say, honestly, I remembered my time from my earliest time. These things are deep in the mind and there, there are some, uh, regressive hypnosis techniques you can do. You can remember some of this stuff. Most indiv- individuals will come up and remember some things. But in my case, I was remembering it as a child and I was looking for solutions of that. I start my book a book with that story of when my time in Tibet came back and I remembered, you know, doing the work. So he traveled back to this area. And so he, he went up into the Chennai region, and this there were documents written. There were scribes that wrote some of the stories, and he was well known in that part of the world. He he, uh, my teacher told me he was a hunter in the forest. Okay, and he lived a long life, and he became well known. And there's actually a place where he was buried there, and uh, Bartholomew was up in the Delhi region. That's well documented. And then Thomas, who just wanted to be next to one of these high beings, because he's told the story of being around these master consciousness, he ended up in the Chennai region near the school. And there's actually a school there called the Rajarishi School to this day. Mm-hmm. And there, there are documents and records in that area. And I think India kept a lot of records. And I, I think when they have these shows, you go to India, they have all these statues and all these uh, I guess Buddha and all, everything. I mean, they, they still preserve a lot of their history to where a lot of other countries have lost some of that. Well, Hinduism is not a real thing. It's a, it's in from the Hindus is a Northern area. So 
there are stories of very high advanced spiritual beings all throughout that country and actually going up into Iran and Iraq and a lot of those areas. There are Buddhist statues where his mother passed away, we believe, is an area okay. called Kali. Hold that thought. Uh, okay. We got another chart pause we're going to go through. Uh, this is Dave Emmons with the Dave Emmons Show and the WODY Odyssey Radio. We're speaking with Dr. James Weldon. And we're going to be right back. Hang on. Another half hour to go. Welcome back, everybody. This is our last segment with Dr. James Weldon. And uh, we're talking about spiritualism, consciousness, and uh, we're getting into all kinds of topics, things from India. The, the, India has a, a mass amount of information. I've seen documentaries on their, uh, their statues and all this other stuff. And, and Dr. Uh, James here has been telling us about uh, India and his trip there and what's happened. But uh, We'll, we'll probably finish out the, the thing about India and, and Christ. And then we're going to go into, like, what's the differences between angels, ETs, and these types of spiritual uh, guides? And uh, Dr. James Weldon, uh, I guess you want to finish up on India. Your thoughts on that? Well, the history of the world is much longer than we'd imagine. You know, we look at the last, what, 2,000 years, what's happened in the last 50 years? What's happened in the last 25 years? And the world has grown up a little bit, and we've become much more skilled in separating out what is real and what is imaginary and what is useful. And so that's all that I'm interested in sharing with people, the best ways that I've discovered in my life to live a full, complete, and happy and enlightened life. So in my podcast and online things. There's apps available under Great World Wisdom. You can look at that. And then also on Amazon, I have my books available. You probably would need to put my middle name, spiritual name, Yoga with a D. If you search under that Yoga D or James Yoga D Weldon, you'll find those as well. And so that's a good place to start discovering what the potential of your life is and making your life better, which is really all that I'm interested in doing. Can you tell people how you got that name yoga? D? Is, is that a level of uh, teaching? Well, in the East, your names actually contain wisdom. Sanskrit language actually is holographic in the vibrations of those sounds. And I hope you may be hearing the, uh, the, the rain coming down a little bit. Yeah, we, yeah, we've been having that here. Yes. So, so those words actually are full of knowledge. So each sound has wisdom in it. So what happens when you're surprised or you feel good? You go ah. Mm -hmm. So when things are delicious, mm, mm, mm. right? So mm -hmm. these seed letters in that language. They're actually holographic. 
And if you had that advanced state of consciousness, you could go into these Sanskrit words and it would reveal great wisdom in the universe. Very deep, profound principles about how the universe is structured and all these different levels because there's different planes of existence that people live on. And there's different levels in our body as well. Mm -hmm. And so you can master these deeper levels in your being. It allows you to have much more energy, vitality, allows you to spontaneously be able to help and heal people. Just by your very presence, people feel more peaceful. And I hope that people feel more peaceful from these words and are confused. That's my goal. Mm -hmm. and, and I think we're in the future. We're, we're talking about uh, Dr. James uh, Weldon talking to people on Facebook and, and stuff. We're going to have some, thinking about doing some short uh, takes, I guess, on, on trying to help people understand emotionally what, what everybody's going through right now. And that's, that's devastating from the world and the depression that we have, especially in the young people. I, I think uh, Dr. James has some good words for that. And we just talked about that. Uh, but we want to go back, I guess, to we're talking about angels. And I, you said that you had some angel experiences and I have too. And that's why I'm, I'm starting this book on angels and watchers. Uh, watchers were back in Jesus time and they, they kind of looked after him and, and took care of him a little bit. Uh, you know more about that than I would on that study, but I, I think the, the thing with angels and ETs and spirits are all similar, aren't they, Dr. James? They're different expressions of the same thing. So we have our mind, and our mind can access memories that have happened in your life, right? And if we took you into a deep enough state, you could remember all the details of your life. Everything mm -hmm. is recorded. So everything that actually happens in the universe is recorded in the bigger mind. And it would be possible to access that and gather that information. And the first thing that happens in our life is we breathe in, right? Mm -hmm. And the last thing that happens is we breathe out. So the breath connects the body to the mind and the memories. And then there are deeper levels of our being. So there's life on all the different levels of this world, of this universe. It's full of life in every direction. And all of these very high beings, ETs, for example, they're caretakers. You know, I was never interested really in talking to ETs. I had no interest in that. Not that I didn't know they were there. I recognized the reality of that. You've had your fill of it with me, haven't you? <laughs> yeah. And, and I didn't want to doubt people. Yeah. You know, their experiences, it's your experience. So but what I want, what I was interested in, in my case, I wanted to know the story behind the story. Mm -hmm. Okay. What happens when you pass? Basically, uh, you, you finalize your life. You remember some of the events and basically you get in line again and you come back and you forget most of those difficult things. Because imagine if I, I met you, Dave, and I said, you really shouldn't have stuck that knife in my chest you know, six lives ago. <laughs> oh, you I'm going to get bad. you. I'm going to yeah, get I, you for that. So, so I, see, I, we don't remember that. And it's best that no. we don't necessarily dig into that dirt. Okay. And so, you're talking incarnation. 
And a lot of religions, there are some, not a lot of them, but some religions don't like the word reincarnation. They say that's blasphemy. You know, it's blasphemy. Okay, so it's only good for Jesus, but the rest of us, we've got to sit in the ground for, you know, 2,000 years. And when he comes, we're going to come out. That's silly. Right. I mean, right. really. Yeah. You know, and you can take anybody with any belief system if they're open to it. And many of them will have some of these experiences. I'm not trying to prove anything, but there's actually plenty of evidence if you really want to look at that, that these things are quite real. Children that remembered, I remembered, you know, children that were able to tell you. But the thing is, is with these subtler beings, there are physical aliens for sure that have bodies just like we do. You might suspect that they live a lot longer. They do. And you might suspect that some of them have come to to help us out. So think of this world as one big life that's being cared for. Don't you think that this universe that's so full of love wouldn't have caretakers that are watching over it, over us? You know, right. really, your life and death is just a brief speck in time. It's not your that's whole right. life. And if you really remembered all of the past, it would be totally overwhelming. So that stuff isn't available to most people, but at a certain point, you can remember what you need to remember. But you can't prove it to anybody. I mean, when I when I, I was not interested in ETs, I'm talking about physical beings that are alien. Right. And, they and, can be and, invisible too. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I was I was on an advanced meditation course that it was going for a few days. We had some practices. And at the end of the uh, the third or fourth day of that, right in the middle of this, because I have had the ability to see things, you know, people passing stuff, a lot mm -hmm. of subtle stuff, auras, auras around, all that stuff I've had for many, many years. I don't make a big deal of it, but it's just there. Uh, and so one of these aliens, the guys with the really big eyes, you know, quite, quite big, not the mm -hmm. little green guys showed up in my meditation and started communicating with me. And I wasn't interested in it. Not that I didn't know it was happening, but I wasn't interested. But he started telling me a story. I was actually recruited in a sense because I had the ability to communicate. So mind linking can happen. Memory linking can happen. And you can know and be downloaded. They don't speak. If you listen to their language, actually, it would be almost, it's almost, it's, they speak in digital. You wouldn't be able to understand. They don't normally use right. words. Mm -hmm. They talk from mind to mind and can communicate. And also base, basically because they're advanced, they've mastered a lot of these capabilities. You hear stories of, uh, you know, maybe a nuclear bomb getting unstable somewhere and then something happens on the base. Everybody goes to sleep and then they fix it. And then you don't see them. But there's been a lot of that stuff happening. You know, by mistake, a, a missile was launched. I mean, you know more about that than now, but somehow it doesn't take off. You know, so so there are watchers, but they're they're not going to rule us. They're not going to take over our responsibility and our ability to grow. They're waiting for us to grow up. Yeah, like you said earlier, we have freedom of choice. God we has have, given us. Yes. We have freedom of choice. Yes. And you can choose the life that you live and you can look for a deeper life. And these, these ETs are watchers. So over a period of about four or five months, I was actively recruited 
I guess you could say convinced. And uh, I've had out-of-the-body experiences, and I've traveled around. I wrote a whole book on what's happening in in our in our solar system, but I threw it away because I couldn't prove it, and I couldn't determine if it was valuable, you know, useful. This is a long time back. This is almost 20, 20 years back. Right. But he began to share the typical story that at the time that we split the atom and we started having nuclear power, we had the ability to damage the Earth then the watchers became more active and began to watch, you know, what we were doing. So we don't do something absolutely crazy. I mean, you can commit suicide, right? And if you commit suicide, it's the worst thing you can do. You'll feel totally guilty on the other side. The emotions that are bothering you much more here that you can't stand, it'll be a hundred times worse. It's like going out in the rain and taking off your raincoat. It's worse. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Much is, there a heaven, is there a heaven and hell? There is hell in the sense that people are living in a hell right now. Right. There are people that are psychotic, that have lost control of their imagination, and their, their imagination is creating things. So there's imaginary hells as well. There are lower levels of existence than this. So there are worse places to be. You know, how many planets are there with atmosphere like us in our solar system and our galaxy, many, many thousands, many thousands, hundreds of thousands. Right. And some of them are primitive states. Some of them are advanced. Some of them are in what I call an awakened state. In other words, there's enough people on the world that are existing and living higher states of consciousness that the effect of that peacefulness affects the whole planet. Mm. Think of it like a magnetic field, right? Every iron piece of iron can become magnetic, but you have to have a certain number of those iron filings align. And then all of a sudden, boom, there's another whole phenomenon. So that's what's, that. that's what's yeah. happening now. Yeah, so that's what dumbs you down is the ETs use that magnetic energy to put you to sleep. Uh, that's, a, that's the thing. But I, as far as visitations are concerned, we really can't tell if they're watchers, angels, spiritual guides. Or, or, or ETs, it, it, they're all in one big bag, aren't they, Dr. James? Well, the, I mean, I have experienced and I was shown a tremendous variety of these beings. And they're every imaginable a combination, even mechanical or computer, mm -hmm. you know, beings, spirits living in that space. So there's in the billions of stars in our, our galaxy alone, there's all possibilities out there. But we're in a growing and evolving universe, and we're in a universe where everybody's given the chance to become one with that and live a fulfilled and complete life, a useful and purposeful life. Mm -hmm. One of your main purposes is to become a awakened individuals. And one of my experiences long ago, I was given, I came out of that experience. And I realized right now, comparatively, I was asleep <laughs> right now. Yeah, we're here. We're here to learn, I guess, to go through life, and we're not supposed to be. Uh, I guess there's intervention is not supposed to happen, but that happens with death. Like take the we can go back to these stories of these shootings and people dying when they're not supposed to, but they're not supposed to intervene in in some of the deaths. They how come they save some people and they don't save others? We're talking about angels now, watchers. Well. I mean, the work that we do in this world, 
creates a wealth, if it's good work, called merit, good merit. As you sow, so shall you reap. For every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So money is only one kind of wealth. The good works that you do and you have done in the past create merit and merit open the opportunities for more growth and evolution. So you don't have to go through all of that negative stuff, but you can connect with a principle of grace within you. They can burn that down so you don't have to go through. If you've killed somebody, maybe you just get stuck with a knife or something like that. So it doesn't need to be so terrible. But the ETs are there as guides and helpers along the way. Now, remember the the movie First Contact, right? Yes. So Mm -hmm. a ship was coming through our space, and they discover somebody that had discovered faster than light travel. Okay. And that was the eliciting event for them to come down and say, hello, we're here. No. What they're looking for is consciousness. If consciousness reaches a certain, certain, they're not, I mean, there's lots of technology available, but our awareness has all that technology in it. We can connect and know things directly, intuitive things. And if you're having some of that, prove it to yourself. And I went through this. If you can, and our kids can do it as well. You know, tell me a drawer in your house and I can tell you what's in that drawer. I'm not, I'm not a demonstrator of that. I'm through my proving phase. You know, I'm not interested in becoming a specimen. Right. Because we have lots of kids that can do that kind of thing. But the point is, so we've come to a time where the world has been asleep. So what's been happening the last 5,000 years? You go to sleep at night, right? You forget everything in your life. And then in the morning, it all comes back out again, right? Mm -hmm. Your whole life, even if you're in terrible pain, you don't feel it in deep unconscious sleep. Right. So we're coming out of a dark time where the world's awakening again. And so there'll be many individuals that will be living these higher states of consciousness. And actually this has some biblical roots. Remember the, the, the thousand, one thousand individuals. We believe that there's a little over a hundred thousand individuals that are going to be moving into this state called cosmic awareness. I don't go to sleep at night. I'm not unconscious at night, even though my mind goes to sleep it stops. I'm always there. So awareness is maintained. This is just one of the stages of that. So if we have enough individuals that are conscious living these higher states, and many individuals are moving into these without understanding what's going on, it can be much smoother. It doesn't need to be rocky. Many people are having energies flow through their body and healing abilities and so forth. So, right. so the angels are the watchers or ETs. What they're doing with this nuclear weapons, what you're saying is, from what I gather, what I understand through my research is the ETs and the watchers, the angels too, they don't want us to poison this earth with nuclear radioactivity, and that'll completely poison this earth. They won't be able to reseed this earth with life. So, so what happens if you poison yourself, you're going to feel really bad about it right away. Mm-hmm. And if you're tormented and mad, you're going to sleep for a while until that gets a little bit of that's healed. So if the world does that, so since the world, I don't want the world to commit suicide, but let's say they do, they blow up the planet. Do you think that's the end? No, not the, yeah. the world would the world as a whole would reincarnate. Yeah. 
And well, it, it would clean itself. There'd be a cleanse. Well, you'd start over somewhere else. Right. You know, in another place. And there are multiple planets with human-like beings and all, all varieties. But there, there is a organization watching over that. And there are very, very high spiritual beings. You could talk, talk about these as uh, avatars or, you know, angels, super angels. So there are beings like that. There's a, there's a boarding group of those that are very, very high beings. Uh, and they've been on the planet before. There were earlier ages. We don't even know our own history of our own world. Yeah, you know? 350 million years ago, they claim mankind was here. They have footprints in stone uh, saying that mankind was here at 350 million years ago. So we started and stopped, started and stopped so many times. And then we went into different life forms. And as we die and we're immortal, we are reincarnated into another life form. So it but makes there, it boring, right? Yeah, but there was some genetic manipula manipulation. We've been upgraded. Right. There are human beings on this planet, and probably many, many of us that have been on other worlds and other times. Okay, You see some of these people, and they look almost superhuman. <laughs> mm -hmm. They're a little bit bigger. They're a little bit stronger. I've met individuals that have incarnated as human beings. Generally, they're upgraded a little bit. And, and, and those that, just like the Buddha, the Buddha says, I'm going to keep coming back until everybody's enlightened. That's, the, that's the, the promise of that tradition. They understand we keep on doing the work. And this is, a, by the way, this is a fun game. It really is a, a great drama. And you, the truth of your life, my, the first title of my first book, This Way, was a, 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 the spiritual adventure of our life. Uh, and I talked about that spiritual adventure, the secret journey to the enlightened mind. So we're all involved in that journey. Most of us are unconscious of that. We have some spiritual uh, experiences, but the highest point of your life it can be even much greater. What we want is that as you grow, the quality of love and joy increases. And so your low times are better than your best times ever were. And there are places where the joy you can live is beyond anything that a normal person can imagine. Sex is nothing, nothing compared to that kind of intensity. Mm -hmm. And so now they talk about the end times all the time, Dr. James, are we, are we close to the end times now, as a lot of people think? So, so what, so what is life? Is, is, is life a line with a beginning and the end? It isn't. It's a circle. It's like a, it's a sphere. Where's the beginning of a sphere? Where's the end of the sphere? Right. It continues. This universe continues. And it's been here forever. It'll continue forever. And we grow and evolve and we become more useful. We experience more love. And the drama of our life is the divine is living in us literally as ourselves. And it's going through great, wonderful adventures to awaken to itself. And the suffering that we go through, you have to say that many of the difficulties you fall through, you get your greatest lessons. I mean, I, I grew up with my father dying in a wheelchair and my play toy was a wheelchair. And I was traumatized literally at birth. I had PTSD when I was born. I had nightmares, terrible nightmares of being in prison in Tibet. I didn't know what it meant. I would sneak out and 
light a father's cigarette and sit in the dark as a young child. I didn't know I it was incense, but I liked that smoke in the air. And the community I'm involved in right now, I started building in a small way, even when I was a child. So we all have skills that we're developing. We're all here to bring something into this world, to contribute. And hopefully, if we learn how to manage our mind and emotions, we will continue something that is useful to others. Yeah, and I want to thank you, uh, Dr. James, for everything you've done with your charity and also the spreading spirituality, teaching spirituality, consciousness, because we all need that right now. We need it now more than ever. And this has been building to a crescendo. And I hope that, you know, we can do other talks about this and maybe hit, hit some people with some good information instead of bad information that they can chew on for a little while. And we got, a, I guess, two or three more minutes to go. So could you tell everybody where we could find your information in your books and your, and your internet? Well, you can go to my story, which is under greatworldwisdom.com. And there's an Android app, Great World Wisdom. And soon there is an Apple app, Great World Wisdom. I think that that's, that'll be out in the next few weeks as well. The story of Jesus, you probably need to look for that. Uh, it's under Spotify under James Dash Weldon. And that's the story behind the greatest story ever told, mm -hmm. which is also your life. Yes. Your life is the greatest story that ever told. Yeah. It, we're all it, part it, of that. It's yeah, everybody's it's life. And so um, there will be a novel out on that. I'm completing the editing of that. I did most of that on video. And I do have a, a Facebook page, you know, James, James Yogity Weldon or Yogity James. I do have, you know, stuff and all, all, all over the place about that. But I haven't really advertised and mark, marketed it heavenly. I'm just learning it extensively. I'm yeah. willing to, to do that now. So. Yeah. Just cut back on the editing and send it to your publisher and let them edit it. <laughs> that's what they get paid for, right? Yeah, well, I try a, to clean that up. That's a whole yeah. other story of, of yeah. editing. So, yeah. Uh, so I, I've been more focused on creating the content for the right, right. time. Right. And, and just like these ETs, they, they would like to show themselves. They'd like to land and say hello. But I'm I telling know. you, if they do that, they will look like us. Yes. You know, They're going to wait for us to be thinking with higher consciousness. Well, it's been a good two hours, and we're closing the show off right now because we're running out of time. That's why we're going to do that. And you've been listening to Dr. James Yodi Weldon, and he's been telling us some fantastic things that should uplift all of our souls and our spirits and our consciousness. And this is W-O-D-Y, Odyssey Radio, out of Maryland. And uh, this is Dave Emmons, and we want to wish everybody a happy consciousness, happy spiritual life out there. And don't let the bad get inside all the good that God has given you. We'll, come, you. we'll come through it. Right. Bingo. Thank you, Dr. Uh, Weldon. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night.